0: Good evening, everyone. It is time for us to begin, maybe a minute or two after. Welcome. Chris has our devotion, uh, devotional in a bit, and we're going to sing uh, one song, have the announcements and the prayer, sing two more, and then the, the devotional and the invitation. Our first song is number 531. 531. We're going to sing the first, third, and fourth verses, if you will. Please stand, if it's convenient for you. <clears throat> praise the Lord, ye heavens adore him. Praise, praise, him, him, praise angels him, angels and the
1: Good evening, church family. A couple of announcements before we have our devotional. As a reminder, this Sunday is Grace Hutchinson's uh, wedding shower here at the building from 2 to 4. I do do encourage you to come to that as a gift shower. Um, Also, next Sunday evening will be our third Sunday singing. Uh, There's a board out in the foyer. If you want to write down your favorite song you want sung, uh, we can sing that. And also, please write down the page number as well. Tonight is the last time you can sign up for the upcoming baseball road trip, um, so if you're playing, if you're wanting to go to that, please sign up before you leave. Vacation Bible School is almost here, it will, uh, July 25th through the 29th. I still need uh, someone to teach a cradle roll class, also to teenagers, um, and I also need someone to uh, do the Bible skit in the teen room. If you can help out with that, it'd be greatly appreciated. Um, and, and I also have the teacher's material uh, available if you're teaching a class. I'll give that to you tonight. Um, and also, also, congratulations. The Pittman twins are here. So congratulations to Andy and Heather. Um, everyone is doing fine. Uh, Jamie is now off the low flow oxygen and doing well. And baby Becca is doing good. and. And there's a sign-up sheet on the four-year board if you can help out with a meal. I know that family would greatly appreciate that. Uh, and um, also, they may even let you hold the baby, so that will be good. Also, uh, keep updates in our prayer list. Whitney Fulton has asked for prayers for her grandmother, Vivian. Uh, she's in ICU at St. Mary's, so remember Whitney Fulton's grandmother. Also, Norma Dennison's stepdaughter, Diana Foss, has been d- diagnosed with a. Uh, uh, so remember to keep uh, Norma Dennison's stepdaughter in your prayers. Also remember to continue to keep and Clinton in your prayers at this time as well. Uh, they desperately need them. Um, we announced uh, last Sunday evening Mary Elkins uh, is requesting prayers for Ed Fisher, her 47-year-old nephew, uh, who's at uh, Norton's Hospital in Louisville, Kentucky, and it's, uh, it's having problems with uh, swelling and fluids on the lungs and heart at this time. That's all the announcements I have. Uh, Chris will have our devotional, and J.B. Lawson will have our closing prayer. Let's go to God in prayer at this time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful and blessed to be able to come here this evening, Lord, to learn more about your word, to be able to apply your word to our everyday lives, Lord. May we learn your word to be able to teach it to others, teach others the truth about you, Lord, that they will come to you, Lord, that we will evangelize within our community, within our work, that, that we will seek and save the lost, Lord. Lord, continue to be with the church here at Rome, Lord. Let's continue on growing spiritually. Let's be an example within our community, Lord. Be with the elders and the, and the deacons, Lord, and their families. Lord, we ask you at this time to continue to be with our sick. Be with Carol at this time, Lord. Watch over her. Be with the family, Lord. Give them the strength that they need at this time, Lord. Continue to be with all the ones who are suffering through cancer at this time. Be with Rusty and Kristen and Hank and Randy. Just be with them. Be with the doctors who are taking care of them. Be with their chemo treatments and radiation treatments, Lord. Lord, and also give them the strength that they need to fight through this. Lord, we are so blessed to have the children here at Rome, Lord. Lord, continue to be with them. Watch over them. Give them the spiritual strength to bring others to you, Lord. Lord, we ask you this time to also be with all the ones who are traveling. Let them get to their destination safely, and let them get home safely, Lord. Lord, continue to be with us the rest of this week. Watch over us and and keep us safe. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen.
0: Next song is There's Within My Heart, number 676. Sing the first, second, and fifth verses of this song.
2: There's within my heart a melody, Jesus whispers, sweet and low. He's missing.
0: lesson we'll sing the first and third verses of 833 ring out the message let's stand again if you will Invitations number 770.
3: If I were to ask you where to find Tower of Babel in your Bibles, where would you go? Like, what would you tell me? What, what chapter would you point me to? Where's it at? Like, just in the general vicinity of the book of Genesis, where's it at? Is it before the flood? After the flood? It's in Genesis chapter eleven. So, if you got your Bibles, be turning to Genesis chapter eleven. I ask you that because Mark has kind of opened my eyes. As we've been studying through Mark, you kind of got to ask yourself, why did Mark place this passage here? And I'm, duh, finding out that the rest of Scripture does something very similarly uh, to that. And so, we got to ask ourselves why the Tower of Babel is placed right here. Um, So just a quick catch-you-up moment here for us. The Garden of Eden has happened. The fall has happened. Adam and Eve have chosen themselves over God. They've chosen rebellion. They've chosen to try to become gods rather than obeying God, the God that they have intimacy with already in the Garden. They choose themselves over Him. Then mankind, humanity, just kind of follows that same train All the way until the flood, when God looks down at man and he sees that every thought that everyone has across the entire earth is all evil all the time. And so he wipes out mankind and starts afresh with one man and his family, hoping against hope that that one man will teach his son's righteousness and his sons will teach their son's righteousness. And all the way down until all people are righteous. But of course, that's not how it hashes out. Right after Noah's story is told, you find the Tower of Babel. Now, again, we have to ask ourselves, why is it placed right here? Of course, it happened chronologically right here. I think Genesis happens chronologically. So this event happened right here. But it takes up an incredibly small amount of space, although it's probably one of our more well-known stories, right? You ask any child... What are some of the stories in the Old Testament? And they're probably going to tell you the Tower of Babel. It's it's a favorite story. Even though it takes up a small amount of space, uh, the story's not long. It's only nine verses long. So why is it placed right here? He could have skipped over this. He certainly skipped over a great many other stories that would have certainly been worthwhile telling. Why include this one? Well, I think he includes this one right here because it's... A way of showing mankind's continued rebellion against God. It started off in the garden with Adam and Eve, right? And things didn't get any better all the way up until the flood. And then finally God has had enough of our sin and our rebellion against him. And he finally chooses one man's family. This this guy's righteous. His thoughts, as opposed to everyone else in his culture, are good and righteous and clean and pure And so God chooses this one man to start over with. Interestingly enough, right after Noah's story, you find the Tower of Babel. Then you find God starting afresh with another man, Abram. And his hopes there are that Abraham will teach his son righteousness. Who will teach his son righteousness? Who will teach his son righteousness? Until everyone who covers the face of the planet will be righteous. And all of our thoughts all the time will be of God. Honoring God and seeking to please Him, desiring, yearning, longing for Him and relationship with Him. So why is this story right here? Why is the Tower of Babel story right here? I think it's a reset. I think God's pushing reset. And He's showing us throughout this whole little section here that we keep on coming back to the same thing. What we're doing is not working. Uh, I've heard uh, Dr. Phil say, you know, that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's exactly what mankind has done for the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. We rebelled against God, expecting him to be pleased with it. And guess what? Newsflash, he's not pleased with our rebellion against him. And so he continually looks for a better way. And ultimately, that doesn't happen until the cross, right? Right. This story is just so so interesting. So I want to walk you through it, and maybe we'll even get to how it plays into a New Testament story in just a second toward the end of our lesson. I'm not promising that, but I'm hoping to get there. <laughs> Genesis chapter eleven. Let's just read this account. Like I said, it's only nine verses long. So let's just let's just walk through it. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Remember how I said Mark leaves you breadcrumbs? Mark has really changed the way I read Scripture, uh, for, in a good way, I think. And I hope it has you, too. But now i start looking for clues. And so when God is eerily, weirdly specific in Scripture, I start underlining and circling, circling those things. And start asking myself, why, why did he tell me that they're from the east? Because that seems like an innocuous detail. That seems like something that I don't have to know, but he included it. And so I start wondering, why? Why did you include that they were from the east? Why is that important? Because every word is important, right? And so why did he include for us that these people are coming from the east? Well, do you remember Cain? After he killed Abel, which direction did he head? He went East, didn't he? That's kind of odd. That's a weird coincidence, right? Back up a little bit, though. And when Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden, do you remember which direction they left the garden for? East. A little odd, right? Remember, if you look back at the story uh, in Genesis chapter 3, you'll see that God sets a cherubim, a mighty warrior angel, to cover the entrance, to protect the entrance to the Garden of Eden. And that entrance was to the east. Interesting, right? Here's another one. In Genesis chapter 13, when Abraham and Lot are dividing up the land, Abraham says, you can go anywhere you want to. Lot, look looking across all this land, east, north, south, west, you can go anywhere you want and I'll go the other direction because our people are too numerous to be in the same area. So you choose wherever you want to go, Lot. And Lot looked, guess what? East, And he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and you know how that transpired, how that story ended. And so, biblically, in Genesis, to the east indicates rebellion against God. Nothing good comes out of the east in the book of Genesis. So, already in verse 2, you understand, thanks to this little breadcrumb that Moses leaves us here, that something bad's about to happen, right? Because nothing good comes out of the East. Although everybody's got the same language, things are going good. That People are capable of uh, amazing things. And even God alludes to that here. But they're about to be capable of doing something that is rebellious against God. So let's continue reading verse 3. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. These guys aren't cheaping out. Uh, you ever had somebody build your house and they're, they're, they didn't do the mortar very well or uh, they used uh, bad um, things to build up the house and you're just kind of like, oh, it's a shoddy workmanship. These guys are not sparing any expense. with Bitumen for mortar is not the common thing. So it's kind of like using gold for mortar. Verse 4, and then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we just be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. The tower that they would have built was more like the ziggurat behind me than the leaning Tower of Pisa that we maybe associate with the Tower of Babel more often than not. It would have looked like this. It would not have looked like the Tower of Pisa. Um, They've actually found about 30 of these things in the Middle East right around this area. This is uh, what would one day be known as... Uh, the nation of Babylon, and obviously that's still uh, a lot of excavations going on in that area, and still a big player in the world. But they found about thirty of these things uh, in and around Babylon, and they're massive. Uh, one side is sixty-five feet long on some of these things. Some of them are as big as two hundred and ninety-five feet. The biggest one they found is two. The one side is two hundred and ninety-five feet. Long and So these things are incredibly massive. That's what these people are, are trying to build. Their idea is that they want to reach into the heavens so that they can make a name for themselves so that they're not spread out across the world. That's going to be important in just a second. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man built. There's another breadcrumb Moses is leaving you. When God has to come down, you should underline that. Because God doesn't have to come down to see it, does he? Because he's God. He's omnipotent and omnipresent. He's all places at all times and he sees everything. He doesn't have to move to be able to see some things. And so what's Moses, what's God trying to tell us here with God came down to see the city and the tower? Well, their idea is that they want to build up a tower that can reach all the way to heaven so they can kind of do their own thing so that their name can be made great. And God says, I think, ironically here in verse 5, you're not even in the same neighborhood as me. Like, I can't open up the front door and look out and say, oh, look look what they're doing. I have to come down to see it, all right, because he obviously sees it. He's omnipresent. He knows everything that's going on, so he doesn't have to come down. But it's kind of like you driving to get somewhere and be like, oh, look what they're doing over there. You had to leave your house to see it. These guys are trying to become gods themselves. And God says, you, you're not even close to my realm. I had to move to see what you were doing. So this massive effort that they're trying to make, and he says, it's it's pitiful. Verse 6, he says, And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there... Confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So what is their sin? You didn't see it there probably as you read through that very quickly, did you? It took me a couple of minutes to figure out what what their sin was until I stopped and really thought about what's going on because he doesn't really label it uh, very clearly for us, at least in the beginning. You'll see it in just a second, though. Let me walk you through what's going on. The punishment for for what they did was disbursement, right? They had to leave this area. They had to go across all the earth. Now, back in Genesis 1... What was God's command for, is for, for, for people? He wanted them to, what? Go out into all the world, right? To, to go out and to multiply and fill the whole earth. These people aren't doing it. So that's, that's one thing that they've done wrong. It's one sin. But there's another part of their sin that seems to be that they're, that they're doing something evil. Um, what We've already seen the power of when everyone comes together to do something evil, What happens? Well, it crushes everything else, like in the flood. All their thoughts all the time were evil. And so that's what's happening just a very short time after the flood. All of that's happening again. And God says, oh, second verse, same as the first. You know, this, all this stuff's about to start happening again, so he separates them. The evil thing that they were trying to do, though, was to make a name for themselves. Underline that in your text. These guys were trying to make a name for themselves. What that means is they were trying to steal the glory from God because God's the only one who makes a name for himself. God's the only one who makes a name for himself. I can point you to three or four different passages where God says the glory is mine. It's mine and mine alone. Um, But let's let's turn to Isaiah 42 just really quickly. I'm running out of time. I'm not going to get to where I wanted to go. But we'll do that next time. Isaiah 42, verse 8. He says, I am the Lord. That's my name. My glory I give to no other. Nor my praise to carved idols. these people were trying to steal his glory and he refuses to give it to them. He doesn't share that glory with anyone and their refusal to disperse and this idea of making a name for themselves this was their sin and and the, the refusal to disperse is just a symptom of the greater sin right of trying to make a name for themselves of trying to, Uh, work out their own agenda. That sounds really familiar from Mark, right? These guys are doing the exact same thing as the Pharisees were doing. In Jesus' day, they were trying to work out their own agenda. They were doing their own thing. And God says, you're not here for you. You're here for me. To bring me glory. Does that sound right to us as Christians? Because who do we point people to? We don't ever say, look at me, look at what I've all done. What do we say? We say, look at the Father. Look at what he's done. He's magnificent. He's the one who's done incredible things. This passage is incredibly powerful, and we'll get to the New Testament application later uh, in the coming weeks, I guess. But just in and of itself, just from what it meant to the Old Testament, guys, it's incredibly powerful. As we point people, not back at ourselves, not, not taking the glory, not making a name for ourselves, but pointing that back at God and giving him all the things, all the glory that's worth uh, that he's worthy of. And so tonight, if you've been trying to take over that glory for yourself, and maybe you've got something else that's going on in your life that you just need the prayers of this congregation for, we want to help in any way we can. Uh, this congregation exists to reach out to lost people. That's the church's job. That's what we do. That's what we long for. And so maybe you're coming into uh, this congregation from outside in the uh, uh, in the world and you're just hearing all this stuff for the first time, and you want to know more about Jesus, I would love to sit down and study with you. If you have any need tonight, why don't you come as we stand and sing.
0: Let's pray. Father, Cameron, uh, thank
4: you for another opportunity to assemble with the saints, to sing songs, to pray for your honor and name, to hear your walk, for the time. We thank you, Father, for your son who made this possible. We can be added to the kingdom the church, That so we can come together from time to time. Father, for this country, it's internal. Father, uh, you are in control. You've always been in control of this universe and you will always be until that last day when the trumpet sounds. Father, thank you for the privilege we have to be in fellowship with our brothers. Those, Father, who are not here tonight, whatever the reason might be, we pray that you will watch over and care for them and bring them back the next opportunity. Father, we pray for Carol to <coughs> bless her with, through the doctors and the nurses that in her, even as she goes through some terrible times. But, Father, if she keep your eye on you, that we're not near. me being as bad as they would without you. Father, forgive us of any and un- give them sin, uh, be with us in the name of this service of Christ.